We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming, and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55, I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our Prime Spark. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close, with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Joe Casciani, whose work I greatly admire. Dr. Joseph Casciani has a 35-year history in aging as a psychologist and manager of mental health practices. He was awarded the first contracts from the California Department of Aging in 1982 to develop mental health training for the state's nursing homes. For 16 years, he was the clinical lead for a multi-state group practice for patients in nursing homes. He later ran his own multi-state company, Concept Healthcare, for eight years. In 2018, he extended his professional interest in aging to his new venture, the Living to 100 Club. The website, www.living2100.club, offers a collection of strategies and resources on successful aging and his weekly podcasts on aging and longevity continue in this tradition with guests who share their professional insights about aging well and making the most of our senior years. He is now a clinical consultant, public speaker, provides one-on-one counseling, and sells a package of life-enriching resources to retirement communities and senior organizations. Welcome, Joe. I'm so happy you're here with us today. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks so much, Sarah. I'm very happy to be here, too. So we don't have very many men on this show, but you are one of the special men that we're having on the show. No, I like that. We are very, very welcome. So just in getting started, Joe, tell me, do you experience getting older? And if you do, what is that experience? And if you don't, why is it that you think that you don't? Well, that's a great opener, Sarah. I do experience getting older. I'm 74. Uh, You know, I went for the longest time without seeing a doctor through my health plan, and I would be notified of changes in my assigned primary care provider, and I never got to meet them before they switched. Anyway, um, (laughs) as soon as I turned uh, probably 65 or 68, I started seeing issues coming up, and um, they're still there. 
So I recognize that we all age and there's always going to be issues coming up. And like I say, it's not a smooth road. There's always going to be challenges and uh, bumps and potholes on this road. So I maintain let's stay positive no matter what gets in the way. Um, you know, I, I think, as I said, it's it's something that each of us will experience. Sensory losses, vision, hearing, you know, some chronic pain, maybe uh, some arthritis, maybe a more serious event. And how do we explain these events like a fall or a stroke or a loss of a loved one? So that to me, that's. You know, that's such a, a telling point because that's going to define how well we age, whether it's successful or not. And, you know, do we throw our hands up and say, I'm done, I can't handle this? Or do we say, yeah, this is a tough one. I'm going to have to dig in and, you know, find my way through it. So, yeah, that was my experience in nursing homes and seeing a lot of patients with very serious medical setbacks, medical losses, you know, heart heart disease diabetes, all kinds of issues. And I, I I could see people would say, look, I'm I'm done. I can't handle any more of this. And others would say, no, I I'm going to see if I can get through this and get back home. So that's why I started the Living to an Under Club to help to share some of these strategies for, you know, getting back up off the mat after we're knocked down. Yeah. So you talk about successful aging. So yeah. I've, you're, you've started talking about that right then. So what does that look like to you? I, I assume that doesn't to you mean just living longer. Correct. Right, right. Yeah, uh, you know, living to 100 is a great goal, a great destination, but it's not in the cards for everyone. We know that. But to me, um, how do we how do we face these losses, these challenges, this you know, sometimes it's a season of losses. How do we face that? And to me, the successful aging means that we're, you know, staying positive in the face of these challenges and we're not giving up. We're not getting discouraged. We don't experience that despair and hopelessness that so many of us can experience. So, you know, um, Stephen Hawking, I, I love to quote different people. And Stephen Hawking, we know, is famous uh, physicist, theoretical physicist, who had ALS. And he said intelligence is the ability to adapt to change. And I thoroughly agree to that. We're always going to be adapting. And how do we explain these changes? How do we interpret these events in our lives, positive or negative? Yeah. Joe, why does it matter? Why does it matter if we age successfully? Mm-hmm. Uh, or if we just, you know, say, I, I can't, okay, this is it. I'm, I can't deal with this anymore. Yeah, you know, um, a couple of reasons. I, I think, first of all, we want to avoid being pulled into that uh, kind of black hole that can happen when we give up. It's, some people call it depression. It sucks us in and it's hard to get out. I think the more, Mm, the better reason is that it matters is that we can open ourselves up to new opportunities. We can open new doors. We can start new chapters. To me, that's the exciting part. It's not just avoiding 
going to those deep holes, but it's saying, okay, what else do I have out there? What else can I do? What else can I learn? Who else can I meet? Who else can I encounter or invite for a cup of coffee? That's, to me, that's the exciting part about living longer and living healthier because, you know, I say as long as we are taking a breath, we still have that drive, that um, resilience, that spark, that fire, whatever we want to call it. It's always there. Sometimes it feels like it's gone or it's blocked or I can't get in touch with it. But if we do get in touch with it, that's what opens up the new opportunities. That's the beauty of aging. So I know you talk to people because I, I talk to people. And so you, you've done this longer than I have. And not I'm older than you are, but you've <laughs> done this work longer than I have. Um, I talk to people and they say, you know, I'm just tired. I've spent my whole life working hard, taking care of people, doing this, that, and the other thing, being on this, that, and the other thing, and I'm done. Mm -hmm. um, and if I, if I, Sarah, try to do my little cheerleading bit with them about, yeah, but, you know, lucky mm -hmm. God, it just annoys them. Um, mm -hmm. And... um. Yeah. So it's not meant, is it, it's not, and I don't know. I mean, how do you work with people who really just seem to be satisfied with being done? Well, you know, that's okay. That's really okay. A person always has a choice. And, you know, it's legitimate. Uh, of course, we have to respect those feelings. It's like, uh, I don't want to keep trying. I don't want to keep getting up off the mat. And we have to respect that. And I think we have to respect that in ourselves if we feel that way. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to take away a person's uh, defenses. Sometimes there's a lot of denial that um, person says, oh, I, I can't do anything else. I'm finished. And, you know, I'm discouraged. I don't, and we, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing to take away that denial. So, you know, respect it. If the person feels that way, it's that, you know, uh, be open, you know, because other things might come along. Um, you have to go after them. I say, you know, don't wait for somebody to knock on your door. You have to go on knocking on someone else's door. I had a great experience with a group I was doing online. And an older gentleman said, um, you know, golden years, I keep hearing about the golden years, golden years, this golden years, that. And he said, I haven't seen any golden years. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, you know, you've got to be the golden years. You've got to be whatever you think the golden years are. Don't don't wait for somebody to knock on your door and say, here I am, I'm the golden year. You've got to go after whatever you think that golden years means to you. You you become it. Be it until you become it. And, um, you know, to, got off track a little bit from your question, Sarah. But, yeah, no, I, I if people just are tired and they want to pull back and – you know, I, I think our role is to not be a judge. We don't want to judge necessarily how a person is doing and, you know, say it's good or bad. I, you know, it's respecting them and just saying, look, there's some other opportunities. There's some other doors. Maybe if you want to change your mind six months from now, it's always there. What do you do with, the, with some of the research that has seemed to demonstrate that our attitude toward getting older affects our longevity? and mm -hmm. health in all sorts of important ways. Yeah, it really does. Uh, the Ohio Longitudinal Study was a great 
great one where they showed that people who think they're who feel and think they're younger than their chronological age actually are healthier they take more preventive health care steps they do better on measures of uh, memory and cognitive functioning um, they actually live longer they live on average seven years longer than someone who doesn't see themselves as younger than their ca so you know that's the whole notion of health age you know we have chronological age we have biological age and we have health age and health age is probably a better predictor of our longevity and you know how we're facing challenges and it's it's seeing these challenges in a positive way and seeing ourselves as healthier rather than just our chronological age there's a, a great story i like to tell about this um guy in in uh, netherlands uh, he was in um television and he was 69 years old his name was emil rattelbond i read about him in the new york times emil rattelbond was unhappy being 69 he said i you know 69 i can't i can't get dates online i can't buy a sports car i can't get a loan for a new house and i want to change my age if i change my age to 49 i can do all these things i can get dates online i can you know drive the car i want to drive and so on so he went to the dutch court and appealed to <laughs> change his age from 69 to 49. great story right so uh the dutch court came back and said sorry mr rattlebond we can't do that you know to do that means we'd have to eliminate 20 years of your records in our system and we can't have it however you're free to feel 49 if you want you're free to feel whatever age you want so um, stick to 69, but you can feel whatever age you want. So age is only a number. And I keep saying that it gets us into more trouble than it's worth, I think. Yeah. What is health age? I never heard of health age. Um, health age, um, psychological age. It's, it's again, it's the, uh, it's the attitude. It's our mindset about our age. And, you know, different from biological age. You know, biological age looks at these biomarkers and what's going on with our tissues and cells, and they can see if they're advancing faster than our our true age. Um, so that, and then there's health age, which is you know psychological age. It's again, it's that perception of of how well we're doing. Yeah. So is my health age how old I feel, how old yeah. I act, how yeah. how old I approach my life? Yeah how you see yourself. Uh -huh. I, I might not be doing that justice, but uh, basically that's how I see it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 I've heard you say um, with your work, turning aging on its head. <laughs> what does, I mean, I assume that doesn't mean you have all older people go into a room and stand on their head. Doing headstands. No. No, I don't know where that came from. When I first got my URL and living to 100.club, I was thinking of a tagline. And it's like, gee, I've spent all these years working in long-term care. And I want to tell people that age is um, can be a trap. Uh, old age can be a trap. And let's not use old age as any kind of indicator of how we should be thinking, what we should be doing or shouldn't be doing. Let's take age out of the picture altogether. So that's what I mean by turning aging on its head. It's it's uh, it's an irrelevant uh, factor in in our in our being, in our getting through the world. Yeah. 
I have said to people that um, I think that we're not going to make much of a difference until each of us comes to terms with how we feel about old and mm. getting old. Mm. Um, and when I say to people, when I say that to people, they really can't get their mind around thinking different about being old or getting old. They don't want to be old. They don't want to be thought of as being old. They don't want to get old. Hmm. And I, I, we, we need to somehow change that perception, I think, and I don't know how we do that. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, old used to mean decline, right? Helplessness, dependency, frailty. My parents, my grandparents, earlier generations never thought of aging in a positive way. It was always seen as something to be dreaded, something to be avoided. I don't want to get old. I don't want to be there. And um, that stereotype is giving way, fortunately, and you're working against it. I'm working against it. And I think, you know, our perceptions today are so much different from what they used to be. And if you look around and, you know, look at all of the programs and people still working in their 80s and 90s, people, you know, I I tell the story about Edith Merway and um, I heard about Edith Merway on NPR and she started weightlifting at age 91, right? Competitive weightlifting at age 91 and at age 98, she won the Guinness uh, world record holder uh, for lifting 150 pounds, the oldest person to lift that weight. So I always said, you know, let's take age out of the out of the picture and, you know, show people that it doesn't matter how old you are, you can still do things. And I think we're giving up this old stereotype and it's really shifting. And I talk about celebrating age. I talk about looking at the upsides of age. And, you know, we have the we have the experience. We have the wisdom, the tolerance, the sense of humor. We you know, we can we can see a lot of things that, you know, middle-aged, younger people cannot see and experience. So there's a lot to celebrate. So it's just like, let's keep saying that. Let's keep, that's why I do my podcast. That's why you do your work. And let's keep pushing that positive view. And yeah, we don't want to get old. We don't want to die. I, I had a, a guest on, a friend of mine, uh, Faye Gersh who's been very involved in the Hemlock Society and, you know, um, advocating for the right to die when, you know, when the time is over. And, you know, we should be allowed to say, this is a good time to end my life. And, you know, she's always, you know, kind of joked with me, said, Joe, people don't want to live to 100. <laughs> I said, no, that's why I didn't call it existing to 100 Club. I call it living to 100 Club. And, you know, it's like, no, we don't want to just exist if we're in a lot of pain or discomfort. Um, that's a different that's a different conversation. If we have dementia, you know, maybe Parkinson's, whatever is going on. So that's a different conversation. But all things being equal, let's um, let's take age out of the picture and see it as, a, uh, you know, our future should be bigger than our past. That's what Dan Sullivan says, a motivational speaker. Our future should be bigger than our past. Why not? I like yeah. that. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. So some of those things you're talking about, about um, what makes us as we're older, um, different from what we were when we were middle-aged or younger, mm -hmm. um, those are some of the kinds of things, in my opinion, that 
employers should really take note of um, and what they're losing by trying to get rid of their older workers and not hiring older workers. Yeah, 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 that's so true. That's such an unfortunate trend um, to, you know, push out the senior employees and bring in younger people. I I agree 100%, Sarah, because whatever we're doing, we need to stay engaged, uh, 65, 75, 80. We need to stay involved, whether it's continuing at our jobs or or doing something else, maybe uh, taking a 180-degree turn away from what we did and doing something brand new. But um, employers are really missing out on the senior employee, the older employee, and uh, that's their loss. It's their loss. I I um, just interviewed someone for my podcast. His name is Jay Bat B H A T T, and he's written a great article how employers can really shift the tide to you know take advantage of older employees and help them stay healthy with their benefits and keeping them engaged in the workplace. So um, it's a it's a two way you know plus plus to me the the employee benefits and the employer sure benefits yeah I read an article uh, this was uh, this was several months ago now and I was I was um, just shocked because it was I mean it was in something like the New York Times or the Boston Globe or something I mean it was in something very reputable. And the author's point was that uh, it, we don't have enough workers, and mm. people are having terrible problem hiring enough people. And so this person, the writer, was uh, advocating for um, more foreign workers mm. and for women to have more babies. Mm. And I'm thinking, mm. well, what about all the older workers? <laughs> That are being forced out of jobs or not hired. Yeah, um, they're right there right now with all this wisdom and experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't have to wait for babies to grow up. No, no. I thought no, that was a strange thing to say. Yeah, that's that's one solution, uh, not a good one, I, in my opinion, but it's it's one solution. Yeah, why not hire people? That, but I, I think it's um, you know it's a lot of our own self-definition that we may be questioning, well, how valuable am I to my employer? Maybe, maybe it's time for me to, you know, move on and yet let the younger blood come in. But I think that's, that's up to us too, to shift that mindset and say, yeah, I, I really can make a contribution. I really can continue to work. I may not know all the, you know, latest advances in technology and all the different systems, but I have other assets. I have other strengths, and boy, we need to keep tapping into those strengths because that's that's what keeps us, you know, moving forward. And we all have these strengths. We all have these residual strengths. Let's let's tap into them. Yeah, and you know, the whole notion of uh, staying engaged, and uh, like I said, whatever level, um, we need to stay engaged. We we know that 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 contributes to longevity. It, there. Are, three or four things that really are central ingredients like fitness and diet and, you know, mindset and that social engagement. I mean, uh, look at the blue zones, look at the people who are the centenarians and how they are very connected in their communities, volunteering, church involvement, social networks, whatever it is, but they're very 
very connected. And the research is telling us time and again that that's one of the ingredients of staying engaged. I think it's it's a, what you were saying, Joe. I think is is interesting to think about. I think one of the things that one of the ways we could be really helpful is helping older workers really be specific about what they're what they're really good at and what they offer, because I know this is simplistic, but in this one of the only areas that it's mattering is technology. Now I know technology infuses everything, but it doesn't. It's not the only thing that's important on a job. Yeah. And so um, I hear people say, you know, I can't, I just can't keep up with the technology mm-hmm. with the younger. Yeah, okay. Well, but what do you bring to the organization with your organizational history and your knowledge and your skills? And you've seen this problem five or 10 times over your career. Other people haven't seen it. They don't. It's a brand new thing to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that I, I think how we can complement um, one another. It's that intergenerational work experience where we can learn from you know the younger employees, and the younger employees can learn from us. And I think the more employers can recognize that value of this intergenerational arrangement, I think they would certainly be much better off. So to get it, 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 it's uh, just continuing to, you know, share that message. We bring value. We have a lot to contribute. And yeah, maybe specific. It maybe yeah. I've, I've been working at this, you know, newspaper for thirty years, and I really know. I mean, know things are changing and times are different now. But I do have things that I can contribute. So it, you're right. It is bringing in some very concrete specifics not just global experience, but very specific experience that that I can share. Yeah, and it, again, it's getting the employers to recognize that. I, I, I'm not that close to this. I don't know if it's happening much, but we certainly know a lot more now than we did, um, you know, a generation ago in terms of what the older employee can, can do. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, for anybody who's listening, who is involved in all of this, I think that that's a way you could be really helpful because an employer is not going to want to keep an older employees just because they need to be involved. No. I mean, it, and um, it comes down to that that same thing of a of my of a self perception of of helping older employees understand what they have to contribute. Because because of the environment, they may, over time, feel they have less and less to contribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do we define ourselves? How are we defining ourselves? And sometimes it's redefining ourselves. Um, you know, if we're taking a left turn from where we used to be, we can redefine ourselves. But it's sometimes it's just clarifying that uh, these are my strengths. These are my my strengths that I can contribute. And we, you know, we have to recognize those strengths as the employer. So, yeah, it is changing the mindset. I think it's happening, Sarah. I think it's, I think the more I, you know, stay in touch with different newsletters and different organizations, I see a real shift in this whole attitude about the positives of aging and, you know, get away from the tsunami concept because that means something bad. (laughs) We don't want to talk about you know anything in this regard in a bad way it's it's really positive look at the contributions look at the earning power look at the savings look at the spending power 
of our generation. It's huge. 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 That's right. it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, Joe, you have done so much. What's next? Uh, well, gee, I I like to open new doors. You know, <laughs> I uh, I bought myself a set of drums a couple of years ago, electronic drums. I've never, never played a you know music uh, musical instrument at all, and I I do my lessons online. I can wear a headset so nobody else gets to enjoy my plunking around. Um, but I love it. And uh, someday I'll see what's next with my drumming. But um, actually, I'm working on a, a program for retirement communities, uh, residential senior living settings, a collection of activities and training modules for the life enhancement directors, activity director, program directors to bring to their residents to kind of create these notions of positive aging, growth and engagement you know, and, you know, just a, it'll be about a dozen different modules. So that's what I'm working on now. And I love it. I, I, I love doing this because uh, I, you know, I like to be a, a vehicle or a messenger for, you know, kind of getting this good word out. Yeah. You are a wonderful messenger yeah, yeah, for getting this yeah. good word And some, at some point you will need to do a little concert for us with your drums. <laughs> that's just wonderful. I love it. Great. I was thinking about that the other day, and I was thinking about where where could I go to practice music stuff, you know, yeah. because I mean, where I live now, there, I, there's no way in my apartment I could practice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and um, so yeah. when you have when you say you have earphones, can't other people hear you? No, no. I said, you know, they're electronic drums, so you can you can play them through a, a, a loudspeaker system. Or you can just wear a headset. Oh, I love so, it. Yeah. Acoustic drums, that's different. You can't keep those quiet. Right. But electronic drums, and when you're listening to it, it just sounds like a true acoustic drum set. That's great. Yeah. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, Joe, I can imagine that people are going to want to get in touch with you. How can they do that? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to talk with anybody. Go to my website, living200.club, not .org or .com, but .club, and you can find a way to contact me, set up a call. You can download uh, a free copy of my, what I call my nine tips to make living longer enjoyable. This is a printed copy, but there's a PDF on my website. No obligation. It's free. You can um, put your name in and you'll get out to my email list and I can uh, tout my book, Living Longer is the New Normal. It's available on Amazon. A lot of what I've been talking about is here. So a lot of information and uh, I'd be happy to, you know, talk with anybody one-on-one uh, -on -one, or if you're looking for a speaker for your organization or your, your community, I'd be happy to um, talk with you about that. How do people react when we talk about living to a hundred? Oh, people mostly love it. Yeah, mostly love it. They, yeah, and there are some people say, "Oh, gee, I don't want to live to. I don't want to live that long." Uh, uh, so it, yeah. But I say more, probably seven out of ten say, "Oh, what a great concept." Yeah. You know, one of the things, and then we need to end. But one of the things that happened to my mother, she died when she was ninety-seven, uh -huh. and. Um, she got very lonely because mm. all of her friends were gone. Yeah. 
she had no friends left. Yeah. Um, so I think number one, that's a real reason to have multi generational friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, is, but that is but is an issue. That's true. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the tough ones. And you're right, multi younger friends, um, multi generational friends. Um, but looking for other ways to connect, senior centers or doing things online. There's so many great online um, programs. I, I always talk about a mighty good time. It's an outfit in Texas, but they're they're national, probably international, and they have a, a local classes and they connect you with local classes in your community. And they also do things online. A mighty good time is is a is a great resource for people that want to connect. Stay out, stay out there. Yeah. My mother was old enough that she didn't wasn't willing to learn to use a computer. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Um, so what I got her was what used to, I don't think they probably still make these a mail station. So and all it did was email. Uh -huh. So I gave it to her for a present. I said, Mother, this is not a computer. This is a typewriter. Mm -hmm. It's an electronic typewriter. Oh, well, I can use a typewriter. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. um, she did it all the time because, oh, wow. <laughs> because what she found was she could stay in touch with her grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I'm really sorry that um, she was a little bit beyond being able to be yeah. willing to use a computer because yeah. she was very, very smart and yeah. would have found a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. You're right, Sarah. But yeah. So um, again, it's continuing to reach out and help people connect, help people do whatever they can, maybe making a phone call to that distant cousin we haven't talked to or reaching out to our right. daughter we haven't heard from or whatever. So yeah, engagement, social engagement. That's social engagement, key. so yeah. important. Yeah. yeah, great. Okay, thank you, Joe. That's our time today. Please join us again. You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. Find out more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest, Joe Casciana. No, You're very welcome, Joe Casciani. Casciani. Joe that's Casciani. Yeah. I, I did it wrong. Thanks so much. And don't forget, you can find him at www.living to 100 numbers 100.club. Correct. Living to 100.club. Yeah. Thank you very much, Sarah. I really enjoyed this. I hope Thank you. your audience uh, benefited in some way. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Take care, spread tolerance and love. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com, and get my free spark guide, Seven Questions to Ignite Your Spark, to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.